this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help you can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. 670 episodes, and I'm still tripping over the intro. Jay, this is a poll episode, but you changed it on us. You messed with the poll this time. I used to say three rounds of nine, <laughs> and then we get uh, it's a, a group of six, and and then uh, then you change it. What happened? Tell everybody what you did. Is Explain this the yourself. one I changed? Was this the one yes. I changed it? Yes. Well, we had uh, a year ago. We had a lot of we got a lot of picks in the hopper, and we started to work our way through them. And I said, um, between that and uh, just maybe a little bit of fatigue about voting all the time. I thought, let's just do two groups this time and see how it goes. Give everybody a extra week off from voting and, you know, make a little sweeter when we put a, when we do put a poll up. So we just did two, two groups of nine and then ran a final. So in case anybody's wondering, um, voting here is like, imagine if you had a special election three times a month in your hometown, <laughs> Uh, because every every album suggested by a patron, there's a vote for better al- uh, worthy album, better EP or decent single. So we have about, I don't know, uh, uh, per year, we have 28, maybe 30 of those. Maybe more, might even be pushing into the, I don't, I don't know exactly how many, but we're, we've got a lot. Yeah. Then, then the poll, which is a to- was a total of four votes. And that was uh, for the first uh, six months of the year. So six times four, let me do the math there. That's 24. So now you're looking at like 54 polls that you had to vote for. And that's just the first half of the year with with regards to the the album selection poll. So upwards of like, I don't know, like 70 polls. (laughs) That's a lot of polling. Right, right. It was getting a little. Goddamn Rasmussen over here. (laughs) uh the so, survey uh, that's monkey why, you know brought all it back a little bit yeah see how things went i think it worked out okay i felt bad because i you know you know i try to put stuff up oh and also we put up polls for our 80s uh, for 80s episode before and now our odds yeah. episodes for the steering committee so that's right. even more work for the steering committee yep. and somebody I, I think i think like three polls went up in three straight days and somebody was like <laughs> My God, I've got so much to listen to. <laughs> I just want to remind folks, you don't have to actually, I mean, it's great if you do listen to everything beforehand, but we understand you have busy lives and you might not to get to every record before we talk about it so that you can have an opinion on it. Um, but keep in mind, we got to listen to these things multiple times. So when you yeah. see it and you listen to it once, Jay and I are here listening to it over and over again. And, um, you know, that's our job. But uh, it doesn't leave a lot of room for other things. So we go without seeing our families for weeks and months of the year. <laughs> um, we, uh, I don't, I, you know, my, my kid, uh, she's all grown up now. I barely know her because of this podcast. So 
what I'm saying is if you could join our Patreon community, uh, you could help us uh, fund our uh, future alimony payments. So that... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Now let's get into this poll, Jay. Let's talk about the July album poll with two rounds of nine. First round, we had... Nude Swirl, the self-titled album suggested by Richard Waterman. Blue Blood, Silkworm by Silkworm by uh, Willie Dillon. Seafield's album, Quiku. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. That was Adam Smith. Uh, Treat Her Rights album, What's Good For You, suggested by Bill Davidson. Initiation by Course of Empire, suggested by Eric Peterson. Viva La Blues um, from Palace Music, suggested by Dominic DeVito. What Makes It Go uh, by Kamita, suggested by Angela Tosic. Dim Lights, Chill the Ham by Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet by Robert Cam. And Moonlights and Castanets uh, by Overwhelming Color Fast. That was submitted by Joseph Long. Uh, the two winners out of this round, Course of Empire and Overwhelming Color Fast. Have you, just a curious, Jay, had you ever listened? Nope, me neither. Okay, no, round two. Round two. Here we go. Uh, oh, you didn't list the names, Jay. I don't. Oh, oh no. Sorry, you did. They're they're just not highlighted. Sorry, I didn't you bold didn't them. bold them. Do you need a Do you need an editor, Jay? Do we need to get you get an editor? Because <laughs> your type is important for our brand. I'm trying my best, man. Sometimes I forget to do the Apple B. <laughs> okay. Um, Harder Please by the Barneys, suggested by Bill Davidson. The Glamours uh, by Comsat Angels, suggested by Richard Waterman. I feel like they were around in the 80s because I have, I think I have a couple Comsat Angels albums on vinyl. Um, a Soap Bubble and Inertia by Gant Harvest, suggested by Willie Dillon. Diamonds of the Belly, Diamonds in the Belly of the Dog by Other Star People, suggested by Adam Smith. Smash by Offspring, suggested by Eric Peterson. Slow Buildings uh, by Pale Saints, suggested by Vadim Tavor. Transmissions of the Satellite Heart uh, by the Flaming Lips, suggested by Kyle Bittner. Three Wishes uh, by Shannon Worrell, suggested by Dominic DeVito. And Boingo, self-titled, suggested by Keith Batch. And the winner out of this round, or the winners out of this round, were um, the Flaming Lips and pale saints so the final four i like this we get a final four makes more sense than a final six to me i can see i can see this in terms of uh you know basketball terms getting a final four here we had pale saints flaming lips overwhelming color fast course of empire it was close between two there was some back and forth there was some hemming and hawing about whether uh we did we needed to do this band or not uh ultimately ended up going to Pale Saints, 38% of the vote. Flaming Lips got 31%. A lot of discussion about, you know, we need to talk about the Flaming Lips, but it didn't come through in the end. And it's then, interesting. Uh, it got more votes against Pale Saints in the previous poll. But fascinating. It, when you had more than one vote, but in the final, you only have one vote. And when you only got one vote, it did not come on ahead. Yep. Priorities. I think what happened there, Jay, is a lot of people voted when they had their multiple votes. It's like they went Flaming Lips and maybe one other thing. And yep. a few of those were Pell Saints, but not as many. Yep. But then the Pell Saints people, 
maybe only voted once. So they're, they were not overrepresented. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe the Flaming Lips got more votes because more people went for them with their second vote. We'll never know. We just don't know. We don't know. Uh, what we do know is that we started adding a, a poll specifically for Worthy Album, Better EP, and Decent Single for this record. So we'll be able to tell you the results of that. Vadim, who suggested it, gave a very long explanation of this record, which I'm going to reference uh, in the podcast episode because I don't want to spend the next 15 minutes reading his post here, but I very much appreciate all that info because I don't know about you, Jay, but I knew the name of this band. I'd heard the name. I thought they were techno band. Yep. I I was thinking like, oh, they were cover looks that way too. Yeah. Like house rave early, you know, Mm nineties, something like that, like Labouche or, uh, or uh, crystal waters. Something like yeah. that, 100% pure fun, uh, which uh, is this is not, I mean, not this fun, but I'm saying that that's not what this music is. Uh, so, little history on Pale Saint. The they formed in Leeds, England in 1987. Uh, originally, it was Ian Masters on, on vocals and bass. Graham Naismith on guitar and drummer Chris Cooper. They uh, added uh, Ashley Horner on second guitar in 1989 and then put out their debut album, The Comforts of Madness, in 1990. That was followed by In Ribbons in March of 1992. And then, um, so Ashley Horner was only in the band for a short period of time. Uh, Mariel Barham actually stepped in to replace her. So she was, I believe, either on all three records. Let me double check. Or she was on the last two. Actually, does it say? Yeah, she wasn't on the first record. So she's on the second and the third record. Ian Masters left the band, uh, at who's the mastermind of the band. He's got it right in his name. Mm. And uh, Mariel took over. Uh, vocals at that point so she went from being the backup singer to the lead singer so this is the only album where she's the lead singer which is a very strange shift i've you know obviously there's been singers who have been replaced in bands but usually it's not a male replacing a female or female replacing a male usually it's like you know you lose bon scott you bring in brian johnson you lose david gabriel you bring in phil collins yeah exactly um so, and here's the other interesting part. Mariel Barnham was the original vocalist, vocalist of Lush, who we have talked about. Um, she left pretty early on. I mean, they formed in 87, um, and she left, I believe, by like 88, somewhere in there. So she was with the band just for their early years forming. I don't even know if she plays. Yeah. She doesn't even play on the first release. So she, so she was in lush, but never actually recorded with them is what I'm saying. Um, so the band uh, ended in 96. Uh, it was two years after this release, uh, which came out on um, four AD. If you couldn't tell from like the font and uh, some of the artwork from their, 
um, other records. Like if you look at the the previous record in Ribbons or the first record, The Comfort of Madness, it's clear those are four AD uh, album covers that probably Von Oliver worked on. That I one of the things in doing this podcast is now I can recognize the artwork of various um, designers based on certain clues, like the way that he uses two different fonts, one sans serif, one serif next to each uh, other. Yeah. That's a very Von Oliver for AD design. That's just, that's just good uh, classic graphic design. Well, to a simpleton like me, Jay, it's, it seems like magic. Like it was well birthed by a wizard. It also means like a, t- a, a real graphic designer did the album cover and not just like, you know, their friend the roadie or somebody's friend yeah <laughs> someone with access to apple paint yes <laughs> yes unfortunately we've seen too many uh albums that have suffered that uh so this was released in august of 1994 they did release a couple singles one of which was the song fine friend which is the eighth track on the album which is actually so it's not an exactly a cover, but it's the music for a song um, called Poison in the Airwaves by per- the Persian Rugs, but they changed the lyrics. So I guess it's like kind of a cover. It's hmm. a musical cover. Um, so Angel, Will You Be My was also released as a single. Um, an edited version of Henry, which is a 10 minute long song and one blue hill were also all released as uh, singles. Like I mentioned uh, after this record, they did um, play some more. Um, they ended up uh, Mariel Barham and ended up leaving the band in 95. And then the band just broke up at uh, that point. Um, number of them have gone on to other bands, um, not, stuff that i recognized um like bands like the warm jets rialto rialto sounds familiar i don't know i can't remember uh why but that name sounds familiar um spoon-fed hybrid i don't know i don't never heard Mm, anything no that that. sounds made up the cyanide pills which sounds like a punk band from like 77 yeah uh so yeah Let's get into the record, Jay. Let's talk about Slow Buildings by Pale Saints. Tell me one thing you liked about this record. I like the combination of uh, it has these really pretty, almost beautiful moments, but then it also is able to shift to being gritty and has a little muscle. I think the band that it was a touchstone for me listening to this record was, was Catherine Wheel. Um, not that I think on on the face it it may not like immediately sound exactly like Catherine wheel but i heard a lot of similarities in terms of the aesthetic on how they were putting these songs together and what just what kind of um i guess shades they're painting in here um so i think suggestion is a good example uh a song that does this really well it starts off you know with this really pretty like cello clean guitar piece and it starts to evolve into like this very dynamic driving rock song with layered guitars lots of echo big drums um under your nose is another example 
you got these jagged guitar lines, you know, it's, you know, a little, um, you know, punchy, riffy, dynamic. But then on top of it, you've got this angelic, breathy, you know, female vocal that's, you know, is a, a really cool contrast in terms of, uh, you know, maybe what the guitars are doing and what the vocals are doing. Uh, I also think there's some some really unique moments here too, where I think they separate themselves from maybe some of the other bands that they might be compared to. Um, Gesture of a Fear is a good example. There's a really cool build into the chorus there between um, the guitar almost sounding, I don't know what he's doing or how it's being played, but it's, it's almost like a, sounds like a violin, um, but it's a really cool like build up to that chorus. The guitar solo in that song is also really Oh, pretty pretty amazing it's got this almost southern feel because it's being played on a slide yet very much like brit pop um as well in terms of the overdrive and distortion and just the melodically what you know what's going on there uh so i thought that was also a really good example of where i think this band kind of steps out and starts to you know make its own sound within this shoegaze adjacent kind of glittery pop at times slightly like progressive you know there's some songs on here that stretch pretty long they build a big crescendos you know have some dynamics of either being you know, really slow and almost pink floydy to almost experimental in the way that they're layering guitars um and some other instruments here too you, you know you hear like I mentioned some cello i think there's like flute on a song there's some violins there's some organ like you would hear in like ladder uh catherine wheel material you know so there's this ambition i think too just musically to you know push things a little bit beyond just the standard rock format um, which i thought worked pretty well too so that's some of the stuff that worked for me what worked for you well first and foremost her voice you mentioned it i mean this is like the perfect complement to this music um, it's what works so well with Lush and she, it, at times it's, it's a little Tanya Donnelly. Um, it's just a, it's just what works for me in terms of this shoegaze slash dream pop sound. Cause her voice sounds as ethereal as the music sounds at times, which is a, a great pairing. And I agree with you. Like there's obviously there's Catherine wheel, um, under your nose, that guitar tone, that like buzzing guitar reminded me of like the earlier Swerve Driver stuff, like yeah. uh, Sun Mustang Ford and those kinds of songs.
I really like this entire record. You know, we'll get into what what doesn't work later, but um, and I know that we tend to harp on you know longer songs, longer records. But like a song like Henry, to me, that is like the equivalent of when Neil Young writes a nine minute long song. Like there's a purpose and a build, and when you listen to like Zuma or Tonight's the Night, and you listen to these really long Neil Young Neil Young epics where he's just hanging on notes and the tension's building up and it's getting a little bit louder and a little bit louder. It just, you can feel the music crescendoing very slowly and it works really well. A lot of bands can't pull it off. They're able to, and Henry is, I think is the prime example. That's the song that I would, I would play for people. And you mentioned suggestion. That's another one. It's got this great buildup and it can get a little, you know, cliched. Like when you listen to a band like Explosions in the Sky, you kind of know there's always going to be a big crescendo at some point in the song, and then it's going to release, and you know the song's going to wind down. There is a little bit of that sort of formula with regards mm. to building and then releasing over a long period of time. But like you said, there's a lot of like little interesting things happening with stringed instruments, um, with them just tackling different sounds from song to song that you don't really know as you listen to this record, what the next song is going to sound like, because you open with that instrumental King fade. And then you go to this up tempo angel. Will you be my, which sounds very contemporary for the time. I mean, that's right there with lush and, and the other shoegaze bands that were kind of shifting a little bit, becoming not my bloody Valentine, but you know, Catherine Wheel refined their sound, Swerve Driver refined their sound for the second record Mezcal had. And this sounds like a refinement in terms of there's like a tight three minute song. And then we're going to blast you for 10 minutes with this one song. And then we're going to do another 253. And then you're getting 627. You know what I mean? Like there's this, yeah, it's like, they know, like you can't have 10, 10 minute long songs, but they also can't really artistically fully investigate everything they're capable of by keeping everything to two to three minutes. So I appreciate that there's kind of both halves of this record in terms of what they're doing. Um, and it's strangely, you would think when we tag a band as like Shoegaze or Dream Pop, it would sound sort of dated, but this doesn't, doesn't sound dated to me knowing that there's like a whole bunch of people doing like Shoegaze now and, and Dream Pop-ish sounds. Yeah. Um, so this this sounds almost contemporary in that way. Um, hopefully that means that stuff that maybe we have over the last 10 or 11 years said has sounded dated, maybe won't sound as dated anymore as bands start to dis- rediscover those sounds. And <laughs> you know what I mean? They'll start sounding contemporary again. Sort of like bringing back uh, uh, your hippie jeans in the 90s. <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. I think there's a there's a classic approach um, that I think this would have sounded you know great in the '90s. That would have sounded great in the 2000s. That would have sounded great in the 2000s. Like I just they hit a formula here where I think for the most part, um, you know, they're sticking with tones and approaches that are pretty 
pretty universal. There, there's not a lot of trappings in terms of tech here. King fade maybe a little bit. You hear some like drum loopy kind of stuff that maybe you could, but that's usually to me where you, where I think was what you were talking about, where it's like, there'll be a period where a record just sounds out of place. And then, then it swings back around like 80 cents for a while. Like in the nineties, we're not cool. Mm-hmm. And then, and even in, you know, the two thousands, they started to, you hear them pop back in and be used, you know, by bands like the, the killers or something. And then stranger things happens and it's the coolest thing ever, you know, right. to have a, <laughs> you know, a 1983 style, you know, synths. Um, so yep. technology to me is usually the, the thing that it goes in cycles and I don't think they're doing anything here. So specific um, for the most part, uh, as, you know, as long as pop music kind of stay, or at least rock music stays down the alley, it's in, it, this should, should remain pretty classic sounding to me. I, I agree. Uh, I just want to get to some of Vadim's notes. I, I Did Vadim pick, was it the previous month or the month before that? I feel like he's on kind of a streak. Uh, if it wasn't the last month, it was on the previous one. I yeah, we need to keep track yeah, yeah, of uh, who's who's winning the polls each month because uh, we might have a champion in Vadim right now. Um, he, he said, uh, this record is an underdog of an album by that I mean... It's one of the cases where a band continues when the person who started the band, who was the leader, leaves the band and they choose to continue on without them. It worked for other bands, Pink Floyd, Genesis. Um, and it, again, we mentioned, but they didn't switch from a, a, a male lead singer to a female lead singer, which seems like a, a bigger leap. Um, he said, this is not a shoegaze album, but it's the only label that feels fair. It's really just excellent guitar rock. Um album starts and builds on an instrumental which immediately lets the listener know that this is going to be a complicated record one that reveals things through repeated list listens um he said knowing tim and jay i think they'll say this record is too long and some of the track lengths could be shortened and while they're often right if that's the case here i disagree in fact one of the things i love most about this record is how those seven to ten minute long songs like henry or song of solomon uh just take you on a journey and you just sit back, strap in and take the ride. And he mentioned the ladies and gentlemen, you're floating in space as a comparison. I do think that's a strong comparison because like this album, there are really tight short songs. And then there are very expansive, long songs that are the complete opposite. And that came up in my um, thinking about this record as well. Um, so he mentioned about the length let's talk about stuff that didn't work for this record um what was on your list if you had one i don't know that it's length that's the problem for me um necessarily it might be sequencing i i i was thrown a little bit with the first third of the record I I thought the transition from King Fade to Angel is pretty pretty uh, dramatic. So Angel is to me, it's like the Show Me Mary on the album, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. I think it's a, I think it's a really strong song, but it follows like this this opener that's very atmospheric. 
takes a long time to build not a ton of guitars it's a lot of like feedback or noises and drums almost cinematic so it really had me disoriented and then in one blue hill is this six eight feel guitar song that has flute in it so i'm like three songs in this record i'm really lost on what i'm what i'm getting into uh and it and it really t- takes me until under your nose i start to connect like I think hearing the guitar work on that song, I start to, it's got a little bit of drive to it. I start to like understand the identity of the band at that point. And it's not really till the stretch at the end where I, I feel like I'm in solid ground. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get what this band is. I get where we're going. I'm understanding like the concept and the format. Um, so, so I struggled a bit with the, the the sequencing because it's like a song I like, and then a stretch of like maybe an oddball or an instrumental or a really like slow, slow build long song like Henry or Song of Solomon, which I don't know that I dislike those songs. There's something about the the placement of them that I'm not able to like be patient with them in a way that I want to. Uh, whereas with suggestion, I mean, it's a seven, almost eight minute long song. And I don't have a problem with that. There's something about like leading into that. It feels right. And I'm like ready for it. So I don't know. There's something with the sequencing here that's, that's, that's throwing me off and it's making it more difficult. And I wish it, wish it was because if I just take it song at a time, you know, a lot of it, I, I do like, but as a whole, there's, there's portions where I'm uh, not as impressed or not as engaged. Uh, I think the way that that plays out is like, as well as some of those tracks, like one blue Hill and fine friend. Uh, One blue Hill. It can almost be anybody. There's nothing really distinct about it. Fine Friends sounds a lot like Mazzy Star to me. Yes. I don't dislike the song, but I I just can't help it. Between those two tracks, like these slow six, eight feels, you know, songs starting to think of Mazzy Star, like it just felt less distinctive and more derivative to me. Um, And then uh, I think the last part that within that, you know, more specifically is just, you know, there's just, prolonged monotonous sections that specifically in Henry and Song of Solomon that I kind of get it but maybe if I listen to those songs on their own I wouldn't I probably would enjoy them more but in the context of the record like I'm just wanting things to to pick up a little bit um, to, to get to some of the more driving stuff and dynamic songs like Angel or Under Your Nose or always I or so I think it's sequencing for me less than less than the length I mean you can always say like you know it's a 58 minute long record if it was shorter I probably overall you know it would work better to me though that would probably mean like cut a couple tracks you know maybe one blue hill maybe it's a little gesture that's like kind of an interlude instrumental thing 
that I don't think is really helping set up Song of Solomon very well. Maybe it's drop some songs or resequence some things. Um, but that's that's what didn't work for me. Did anything not work for you? Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned Find Friend because that is fade into you. Yeah, it's the same progression. It's basically the same melody. It drives me nuts. Like I I would first I'm axing that song so fast. Like yeah. I I don't know why it sounds exactly like Mazzy Stars fade into you, but it does. I also agree with you. Little gesture is is a waste because you've already opened with a much more interesting instrumental piece. Yeah. Honestly, I agree with you in the sequencing too. I would be bold, and I would open the album with Henry. Hmm. Like, yeah. if you get this song, you're gonna like this album. But I'm I'm giving you a ten minute opener to set the plate, and then I'm gonna give you like. Angel, will you be mine? Uh, be my um, always I uh, under your nose. Like I'm gonna put a bunch of bangers there, and you're gonna be like, "What's going on?" I'm gonna give the instrumental and then the back half of the record. Like I'd split this into two records, and I would close on Song of Solomon. Yeah. So it's like bookends. Make the make the two long songs the bookends of the album. Mm-hmm. Um. Cause yeah, it's, it's real up and down. It, there's no, like, it's not, it doesn't have a solid flow. Like I, I, I didn't remember what was coming after the one after the other, when I was going through it over and over again, yeah. like I had to go and look and go, okay, this is this song again. Um, in fact, one time I accidentally played it on random and I didn't even realize it until I got through the record. Well, that's the first time I listened to it. I had it on random by mistake. <laughs> And, and usually I, like, I can, I can tell pretty quickly. Cause you just, right. Like you said, you start to anticipate the next song and like this, the transitions you remember. And yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice. I think it just, you, uh, just, I don't want to blame it a point, but this band has some very unique, interesting things they do. And, and there's songs in here that really do a great job of showing that. But what we just talked about, Seems to highlight between the sequencing and a couple of the tracks here enough that there's stretches of the record where you're like, well, this is just another 90s band. Like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, um, versus, you know, something like Under Your Nose or Fine Friend or um, Gesture of a Fear or something like that, or even Angel, where you're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is like, this is really unique. Let's do our final ratings on this record. Were the album better EP, decent, 
single. I'll share our poll results in just a moment, but Jay, where do you land? I'm going to go with an EP. Um, Oh, I'm I'm just going to stick with my, you know, my gut reaction when it's, when I took my notes and the songs that I thought were working in the context of the record, angel under your nose, gesture of fear, always I and suggestion. Um, I think Henry and Song of Solomon, maybe even King Fade, are good songs, but they're not working for me in the context of this this album. So if I was put to, putting together an EP, I would go with the songs I mentioned. Um, or like you suggested, I think there's like a reworking of this record. To make it work as an album, there's a reworking sequencing that has to happen. And some of the some of the fat needs to get trimmed um, mm-hmm. for that to work. So I'm in an EP. Where you at? I am at a worthy album. Um, I would just drop the two songs I mentioned, "Little Gesture" and "Find Friend." That gives me nine songs, and I think at nine songs, it really it tightens it up. I mean, you're at, you're almost to sixty minutes on this record. Yeah. Uh, so you're dropping. I mean, you're only dropping like six and a half minutes there, but that gets you closer to 50 than 60. And I feel like that's the right direction for this record. And I, and a total rearrangement of the album would be my preference, but I, I really like the material. I love her voice. It's absolutely perfect. So I'm going to go where the album and the community, they agree with me, Jay, sorry to break it to you, but 89% were the album 11% better EP Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's all good wait well in the poll i should i hope it i hope it comes out as a worthy album i'm gonna be like twisted if uh it wins the monthly poll beats all these <laughs> other records and then it gets voted a decent single like what are you what are you people doing well you know it makes me wonder when if like an album like smash by the offspring yeah. like there are enough people that dislike that record that it could get a negative review after winning a poll. We'll have to see. I don't know. You know, they might try to do us um, dirty and like get Fairweather Johnson up there. And, uh, you know, nobody's going to actually enjoy that record unless there is some sort of Hootie revival coming up and we all reassess our opinions of Hootie and the Blowfish. And uh, like we uh, apparently like take crap and then say actually it was good no that those boy bands were actually really good that was a good time (laughs) no you won't get me to say that uh we need to say thank you to everyone who voted in the poll thanks to vadim for suggesting this record you can do so by going to our website digmeoutpodcast.com there is a page where you can suggest an album drop the album the artist and a little note in there and it'll end up in a poll. We're, we're pretty quick on the turnaround, I think, with the polls now. Like, we get a lot of suggestions, and they go in, and within a couple months, maybe within a month, we're going to get that into a poll. So yeah. you ain't going to wait long to hear your to hear your pick and your name uh, on this podcast. So uh, if you'd like to be the person voting in our monthly polls or voting in our album uh review better where the album better ep decent single polls or uh our 
other polls for roundtables when we get to do them or um, aughts episodes, you can join us at uh, dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com to become a patron union member. We send you stuff uh, like stickers and which reminds me I'm a couple months behind on the stickers. I got to get to that. Sorry, everybody. I don't think we set a timeline. They're just going to go out at some point when I, when I remember to buy more stamps. See, that's the hard part is that I hardly go anywhere that requires me to use a stamp yeah. or hardly do anything. So I don't just keep stamps on me all the time. You got to get that. Uh, what is that? That service where you have a little scale and you can just print your own. There's like a USPS service where you can, I don't think I'm scale and then you just weigh stuff and then you but print don't out you have to have like enough to justify they don't just give it to you do they well you pay for it when you yeah. print out the little whatever you thing go. you put in but you don't have to go get a stamp like a like you're in the 1800s on horseback I do I have to ride a horse to the to the uh <laughs> western union <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to get a stamp well you know what they do they sell them at grocery store checkouts and you oh, have okay. to ask for them. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that either. <laughs> yeah, because your your food's there when you you just put it in order on your phone. You pick it up and it's ready. Yes, they bring it out. Bring it out to the car. Honestly, I guarantee. I bet you, within our lifetime, there will be entire grocery stores that are complete. They're just all like that. Like you don't. Yeah. Like it'll be a store. It'll basically be like Costco, but no customers go in. You just pull up with your order and they load your car and then you just go home. I can, I can definitely see that. Although I have to say, I don't enjoy going to stores, but we did go to Costco for the first time in like, geez, I don't know, five years. Oh, really? It was, yeah, it was kind of fun. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm having way too much fun at Costco. I felt Guys, a little bit I like I was so much in fun today. Wait till you hear about this store called Lowe's. They have these, all these like tools. You can build things. You can paint things. <laughs> they have giant skeletons. Uh, Box newsletter. Let's get back on track here. The Box newsletter. It uh, Sign up for it at digmeoutpodcast.com. You can read it at Patreon and you can have it sent to your email inbox. It is a newsletter of new releases of 80s, 90s, and aughts relevant music, movies, TV shows, books, etc., with two one-minute reviews every week. Finally, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback uh, for this show. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Digging Out.